Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that wasn't a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? Well, we don't know. When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's the report, old report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Well, Al, another exciting week. In athletics, we have reached championship Saturday in college football. Playoff pictures are becoming a little bit more clearer in the National Football League. The NBA gets closer and closer to wrapping up its in-season tournament. As teams try to score their most points, vying for spots and positionings to make the Final Four and potentially win that big pot of cash, at least collectively for some players, a little slap on the wrist and a little dent in the bank account for others. It could change the season for them. And, of course, the hot stove of Major League Baseball always has comings and goings around this time of year. But we get into one of the most nervous and exciting and great times of college football. As we have finished the regular season, we head to conference championship play. We head to the battles to try and make the college football playoff, and for the last year into the Final Four for a chance to win a national championship. Much has been said about where we stand currently. Much has been said about, ah, we wish this was the year that had 12 teams because it's been so long since we've had about eight different teams able to get into the playoff and arguably deserving of getting into the playoff. As those stand... The top four heading into Saturday and championship Saturday. Georgia is number one, still unbeaten after all these years. Michigan is two. Washington is three. Florida State is four. All four undefeated. Oregon is fifth with one loss to Washington. They will play each other on Saturday. Ohio State is now at six after losing to Michigan. They won't play on Saturday. Texas, 11 and 1, plays in the Big 12 Championship game on Saturday against Oklahoma State, and 8 Alabama, 11 and 1, they'll play Georgia in the SEC Championship game. Tons of things still remain to be decided and quite some shakeups could potentially happen depending on what some of these teams do come Saturday. But just dealing with what the current top four is, where Oregon was placed by the College Football Committee, Ohio State, Texas, and Alabama as the other three will leave out the remainders because those are really the main culprits here, some with a slim shot, seemingly, of getting into the college football playoff in those final four. What did you make of the last week in the regular season? Some exciting games obviously ended up deciding where these rankings stand. There was drama. There was intrigue. There was everything you would want on a Sunday in the National Football League and just don't get anymore in 2023. 
How are you feeling after Saturday's games ended and then how the rankings were presented to us on Tuesday of this past week? Well, partner, uh, my good friend, we hope everybody had a tremendous holiday weekend, first of all, and a great Thanksgiving uh, and a happy and healthy soon to be December for everybody as we are doing this on the last day of November, Thursday night, November 30th. It was... Uh, as good a rivalry weekend as we have had in recent memory and really the last weekend of its kind that we will have because of the playoff going to 12 teams. We'll discuss the benefits and detriments of that. I'm sure uh, before the show is over, but it was a wonderful college football Saturday uh, led off by the greatest rivalry in college sports with all due respect to uh north carolina and duke in the acc in basketball or the iron ball auburn alabama or what used to be one of the great rivalries oklahoma nebraska usc ucla uh, and rivalries all around the country there is nothing like michigan ohio state and i understand the nonsense of you know well michigan only is one one national title uh, since the days of Bo Schembechler and the rivalry really didn't start until Bo Schembechler and Woody Hayes and the tenure. Well, well, that was uh, 55 years ago. So it wasn't just a few weeks ago. Uh, it has been a rivalry for over half a century in that regard. But it's been even longer. Do they play for championships, national championships? No, they haven't yet. What they've always played for in my lifetime is the Big Ten Championship, the Rose Bowl, they still play for that, and now they play for the right to go to the Final Four. And obviously, you know, when you have over 100,000 people in either building, when you're both undefeated, when you are two traditional, longstanding national powers, and you play on a perfect Saturday after Thanksgiving with the sun shining and 110,000 people in the big house, and you are playing for a chance to go undefeated and go to the Big Ten Championship game and quite possibly go on to play in the Final Four. And then you top it off with the caliber of the game that we saw with all of the emotion and all the trials and the tribulations and the injuries, uh, especially to the Michigan offensive linemen and the way they stood out for their offensive, you know, for the captain of their offensive line. It was three and a half mesmerizing hours. The best way I can put it is that's why we watch. What I watched this past Saturday for three and a half hours, which I did not miss a play, is what sports, is why sports is magical. The emotion of the players, the coaches, the crowd, the adulation, the heartbreak for the Ohio State kids, Marvin Harrison. Uh, you just felt it through the TV screen. You could almost reach out and touch it. It was mesmerizing for me to watch. The first, quote-unquote, game of the century I watched was 1966. Undefeated Notre Dame, undefeated Michigan State, number one against number two, wound up in the legendary 10-10 tie where Eric Procedure ran out the clock versus risking a turnover. Uh, 
before Notre Dame went to bowl games and Michigan State later on lost the game and Notre Dame won the national title. That was the first game of the century that I ever watched as an eight-year-old. It was a great game. Obviously, I don't have the same kind of detailed memory that I have of the one I just saw this past Saturday. But the point is, college football, and you know, my favorite sport is baseball. I love basketball. Uh, Those are the two sports that I played. I did not play organized team football. Got my ass kicked, you know, on the playground. Got my ass kicked, you know, in the neighborhood. We would put on pants. You know, we bought shoulder pants and helmets and put them on and and, and played in the neighborhood. Um, Football builds, I believe, unlike any other sport. And even though I didn't play it, I can only surmise it's because of what the players put on the line when they go out there. Of course, all sports carry risk. I got my leg broken and my career ended my senior year in high school playing baseball. So you can get hurt in any sport you play. But obviously, football has the highest risk because the goal is contact. The goal in baseball is not contact, except for the baseball. The goal in basketball is not contact to knock the other man down and run as hard as you can into him and tackle him, right? And not necessarily hurt him, but knock him down with force, separate him from the football. That's the goal in football. So there is a great risk of injury. It takes courage to go out there. Uh, It takes heart. It takes soul. It takes dedication. And I believe what you see in football is, even though the other sports talk about team building and they talk about bonds and the guys in the locker room, Michigan was the antithesis of Bo Schembechler's speech, which Coach Harbaugh, read them and gave them that Friday night before the game, the team, the team, the team, the team, nowhere else in sports to me is the strength and the unity of the team as important as it is in football because of what the players sacrifice, what the players go through and the need for all three elements, offense, defense, special teams to combine to play a great game and the effort always has to be there and the dedication and the unity and watching Michigan playing for their coach, whether you like Jim Harbaugh or not, or don't have an opinion. And I went to Syracuse. I don't have a dog in the fight. Have I always rooted against Ohio state because of Woody Hayes pretty much, but there are times where I've rooted for Ohio state. I don't despise Ohio state. I actually like Ryan day. I think he's a good coach. I don't think there's any way in the world he should lose his job. But the way Michigan and their players and their assistant coach, Sean Moore, have taken over since Harbaugh's had the suspension, have handled this, has been practically perfect. The attitude of the coach, the attitude of the players, you watch them, the way they play. They play the game the way you want your team to play. We've talked about this in various sports. They play smart they play hard they play clean they play with emotion they play with passion they play with toughness they're not the prettiest team absolutely not and they may not be the best team but if after what you watched on saturday when that entire team went out on the field and stood and waited 
and watched with a full house in the big house who all stood and waited and watched for their fallen captain of their offensive line to be put on that stretcher with a broken tibia and fibia and honor him. And then on the next play, open a hole for their star running back, little Mr. Coram, to run through for a touchdown. If you don't have a pulse, you're a dead person. If you don't have a rooting interest, how can you not be rooting for Michigan? It's what makes sports so absolutely invigorating. If you can't have the ability or don't have the ability or pass the time to play it, it's why you must watch it. And to me, what I saw on Saturday was all of that and more. And it's why Ohio State and Michigan Saturday afternoon after Thanksgiving is the only place to be in the world for that three and a half hours, whether it's in the big horseshoe or the big house, that's the place to be on the Saturday afternoon after Thanksgiving every time, every year. This is the last time we're going to see it that way because of the 12 team playoff. It's the last time this game will mean that much. It's always the game, but it's the last time it'll carry that kind of really, uh, I think, you know, winner go home scenario for both teams when they were both undefeated. Next year, you're both undefeated. You lose. You're still probably going to go to the 12 team playoff. Both teams knew last week, in all probability, unless they get massive help, it's winner go home. And it was as good a sporting event as I have seen in many, many years. And I absolutely, I, I mean, it, it, it was, for me, it was just, it was perfect. I reveled in those three and a half hours. Deliver tenfold. Couldn't have said it better. And it's always interesting, depending on how the game goes, for a handful of years where, traditions build or records start mounting or streaks start to form, I guess I should say. Because the streak now is, well, Ryan Day's lost to Jim Harbaugh three consecutive times. Not only did he lose this time, Harbaugh wasn't even there. So what does that mean for Ryan Day? Should we send him down the road? If he can't beat Jim Harbaugh, if he can't beat his rival, why is he the coach at Ohio State, people proclaim? Iowa State, Ohio State fans proclaim. Ridiculous. Where are we finding, Al, these, I don't want to say generational talented, but upper echelon, top five discussion, high-ranking coaches in college football? Do you think you can just pick Ryan Days off of a tree to go beat Jim Harbaugh in Michigan? And, and, and lest we forget, how many years did Jim Harbaugh go before he beat Ohio State? They didn't fire him. What was it, like seven? He's a Michigan man. I mean. Michigan, as Pochon Beckler said. The record Michigan was on the TV. By a Michigan Always. Look at Jim Harbaugh's record, however, in these situations. Well, now look at Jim Harbaugh now. Caveat. Pause. We know what's going on at old Michigan 
with some off the field shenanigans and potential sign stealings, allegedly. Perhaps that's contributed some. Ohio State had an opportunity, Al, to do what, well, you mentioned North Carolina and Duke, to do what North Carolina did to Coach K and Duke. You want bragging rights in a rivalry that's often of equal back and forth over tens and tens of years. You really want to have the upper hand if you're Ohio State? You beat Michigan during the sign-stealing scandal era, and you hold that over their heads for the rest of time. You want to show Duke that you're the superior in the North Carolina-Duke rivalry? You beat Coach K in his final home game in front of all of his former players after they were leading at halftime on their home floor in Cameron, rip out their heart. And then you know what you do as the final dessert while you're walking out of the restaurant? You beat him again when the final four comes around and you're playing in it for the first time in program's history. Do it again. What am I, as a Duke fan, ever going to say to a North Carolina fan when it comes to the Coach K era? Because they'll always be able to counter with, oh, yeah? How'd that go for Coach on his way out the door? What am I, as a Yankees fan, Al, supposed to tell a Red Sox fan now about anything? Oh, yeah? How'd 2004 go, bitch? What am I going to say to that? They hold that over your head for the rest of the time. If you're Ohio State, you had a golden opportunity to have these bragging rights for the rest of your fandom days. You could lose down the road. Okay. What happened when you were stealing our signs for all those years and you finally had to stop? We beat your ass at your place. That's a huge drop of the ball. And, and it's a hard, I mean, it's a hard game, man. I'm not saying this was an easy thing to do. It's still an incredibly hard game. But if you really wanted to be able to step on their throat in the rivalry, what a perfect opportunity Saturday was, and it didn't happen. And you, and you Michigan, were there. And, and Michigan took the approach and the attitude that they were the tougher team. Roman Wilson talked about it after the game. You know, uh, you know, how State talks about being tough. You know, they dress fancy. Just didn't carry on the field. You just didn't think they were as tough as Michigan was. And when you watch the game and you watch it closely, Michigan looked like the tougher. And I don't mean you know meaner. They look like they they look like the tougher team. They look like the team that was more focused. They look like the team. It was more dialed in. They made no mistakes, uh, no turnovers. And they, they just, when you watch them, when you listen to what they say in the post game, you just get the impression that they are a team that is singularly driven and that they are on a mission. And I believe wholeheartedly that their coach has a whole lot to do with it. I truly believe they are playing. A lot of the guys came back. Quam was one of them. You need to play in the game last year. Or maybe, uh, I remember if he didn't play at all, he only played a couple of plays. 
because of his leg injury. And he came back to play in this game. The offensive lineman who got hurt came back to play in this game. And, you know, to a man, you always hear the same thing in unity, that they're playing the game for Harbaugh. Sharon Moore's playing the game for Harbaugh. The wins are for him. And he did a brilliant job. He did a brilliant job of play calling. He did a brilliant job strategically. Uh, he's probably going to be, in my mind, the next Michigan coach. Because I think Harbaugh is going to be, as I told you on this program many times, I think Harbaugh is going to the league. And I think he's be the next, he should be the next coach of the Chargers. Uh, we'll see if that happens. I think Michigan's going to win the national title. And uh, I think he's going to leave. But it, it is inspirational to watch young men play that game with that attitude and then listen to them in the post game. And as a 65-year-old man, when I listen to them speak about the game, about what they played for, about how much it means, about their university, about their teammates, about their coaches, that's the way you want your son to talk. If that's your son, you're proud. If that's your son, you've got a tear in your eye. That's how great you feel about the Michigan players. And I just found it to be an incredibly great event for the sport, for me as a viewer. And I just think the Michigan kids, and like I said, I'm not a huge Michigan fan, but I am a fan of excellence. And I am a fan of emotion and playing with passion and playing with heart and playing for each other. Because I think, as I said before, that is so much more important in football than it is in any other sport. And again, because you have so many players who all must do their part. And you know, the guy on the mound can't bail you out. The one guy with the rock in his hand who the other team can't stop can't bail you out. Can't just give him the ball every time. Um, there, there are, you know, if you do, there's 11 guys trying to tackle. So you got to block for him. Uh, it, it's just inspirational. And I was taken. I was absolutely taken by what I saw. I thought it was off the charts fabulous. And uh, now watch they'll go out and lose to Iowa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think the committee has gotten it exactly right. Uh, we're, we're, we're exactly where we need to be, and everyone is rooting for chaos. Uh, I am not. Uh, I don't think we're going to see chaos. Uh, I, I think uh, you know, we'll talk about it a little more. Uh, but you know, to me, the thing that has got to be the biggest potential for chaos is if Alabama beats Georgia. Because then you have, what do you do with Alabama and Georgia? You put two SEC teams in. You know, we know the Oregon-Washington winner is going to be in. Because either Washington's going to be undefeated, or Oregon's going to have the one loss to Washington by a field goal, and they will just have beaten them in the rematch. So they're going to be a one-loss team that's going to be in no matter what. And that leaves you with, pretty much if Texas loses, they're not going to lose. Uh, don't go mistake. But you're going to have you know, Texas claiming that 
we beat Alabama. How can you put them in and not, and not us? Right. right. You know, we lost our only game in a last second touchdown to, you know, in our rivalry to, to Oklahoma, you know, in the Red River rivalry. And, you know, you're going to have Iowa State, you know, potentially making a claim. You're going to have people saying the best four teams under that scenario could well be, uh, you know, inclusive of Ohio State. Uh, you know, our only loss is to undefeated Michigan. But then you're going to have Georgia saying we've lost one game in three years. This is it. You know, or excuse me, the last two games in three years, whatever. Um, you know, they lost the SEC title game a couple of years ago, so we've lost two games in three years. Um, it, 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 and then you have, the, obviously, Florida State without their quarterback. Uh, presuming they win. And to me, that's the thing. I had a discussion with our fearless leader the other day after we fought over the, the, the greatest rivalry issue. Florida State simply needs to sh- give the committee a reason to put him in. And that reason is we beat everybody on our schedule. You were a power five team. We won our conference. We're undefeated. And we made a statement on in our conference championship. So that means don't go out and win the game on a last-second field goal. Don't give them a reason to leave you out. Give them a reason to put you in. And that reason is we took care of business. Okay, we don't have a quarterback. We went out and we beat Louisville 31-14. to 14. Leave no doubt. Because if they do that, they have to be in. They have to be in. No doubt. Can't, you can't leave them out. You, whether you, you know, if Alabama beats Georgia and you have, you know, the issue of you know, what am I going to do now? Uh, do I take two SEC teams? What do I do with Texas? Okay. If Florida State takes care of business in convincing fashion, they are in. I understand they may not be one of the best four teams because Jordan Travis, their starting quarterback, is out. If you want to penalize that for them and take the attitude is that as a committee member, my job is to put the best four teams on the field as they currently exist with their personnel. And if that's the way you view it as a committee member, then obviously you can't pick Florida State as a member. But if I am a member under that scenario, I am putting Florida State in. Now, it would help me considerably under that scenario if Georgia beats Alabama. All right, and removes them from the equation because Alabama will have two losses. It would help me, immen- help me immensely if, by some unforeseen circumstance, Texas lost to Oklahoma State, even though we don't think that's going to happen. If normalcy prevails, Georgia wins, which I think they're going to do. Michigan wins. They're a 22 point favorite. Even that, That's even higher than I thought it was going to be. Uh, obviously, someone will win. In, in Oregon and Washington, we'll get to who we think is going to win in, in a bit. And Florida State does what they need to do. Two touchdown win. Um, they're in. They're in. And that's your four. And it's easy. The monkey wrench is Alabama. And the double-edged sword for Texas is that if Alabama wins, 
it makes them look better. But it also, you know, because they beat Georgia and Texas beat Alabama, and it's their only loss. But the problem for Texas is now you got to compete with Alabama because they beat Georgia. Texas's biggest problem, Al, is they're not playing Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship game. Exactly. That's exactly right. Because That's exactly right. The committee Texas, isn't paying Texas, attention to the Big 12, and they're going to go, where's Oklahoma? Had, Texas had to be rooting for Oklahoma or for um, BYU. BYU. No question. To hang on. No question. And upset Oklahoma State. And as soon as BYU blew that game, that burst Texas's bubble. Because if they had a chance to avenge that loss and do it in high fashion and score style points, that would have given them a much better opportunity. Now, you know, all they can do is blow out Oklahoma State. And then then you have to hope. That's the unfortunate part. Then you have to just hope. Because this is my thinking. And... Until we're proven otherwise, and, 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 and I don't see, I, I don't, I don't see the route for them. No. Well, uh, under under normal under under normal circuit, they need Florida State to lose. Absolutely. Now that's possible. And then even still, you have to hope Washington wins, so Oregon's out of the picture, and then you're still battling. Well, no, I don't, I don't think that, I don't think that matters because somebody's you know they're three and five, they're both ahead of them. Right. Somebody's going to win that game, and one of them's going to go. They need Florida State to lose. Right, and if Florida State loses, and Georgia wins, Texas is in. On the one hand, I said I don't see a way in. I do see a way in. I just don't think Florida State's going to lose. But they could could just have a stinker with the backup quarterback, and you know Louisville can bounce back from from the awful game they had against Kentucky, where their defense couldn't stop a strong win, um, and, and you know pull off the upset. It's it's not out of the realm. Okay, Iowa winning is out of the realm. Oklahoma State winning, you know, should be out. You know, I just never trust Texas. I don't trust. I don't trust the coach. But you know, them losing should be out of the realm. Iowa winning should be out of the universe. But you know, Louisville winning is is not, especially with the backup quarterback for Florida State. Is not outside the realm of possibility, or we, me, it's not outside the realm of reasonability. So Texas does, in fact, have a legitimate end. They just have to hope that Georgia beats Alabama. That, that's my question to you. If, if Georgia beats Alabama and Florida State loses, okay, Georgia beats Alabama, Florida State loses. Oregon goes, Michigan goes. Do the two SEC teams go, or does one of them stay home, and Texas goes? That's 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 what could put the committee in a real conundrum. What do I do with the SEC winner that knocked off the number one team? What do I do with that number one team, and what do I do with it? The Big 12 winner that knocked off the SEC winner (laughs) in their building. Here is the biggest problem that Texas faces, and it's got nothing to do with the on the field product, I don't believe. And until 
it's proven otherwise, where we have a little bit more to go on. I stand by the thought process and opinion that the majority of the folks that make up the college football playoff selection committee don't watch college football. And I say don't watch college football as in taking in as much college football as you need to to be on that committee in a favorable spot where people can look at what you're doing and say, well, obviously, of course, this person eats, breathes, and sleeps college football. Because the problem with many of the members of the college football playoff committee is while they are very qualified to be involved in college athletics, they already are, and working at some of the highest positions across the sport. Being an athletic director takes some time out of your day, Al. I don't know if you figured that out. When you're in charge of an entire school and university, being an athletic director, you're kind of busy with your own school. Kind of hard to focus on X number of athletics that you have on the men's and women's side. And pay attention to respect. uh, With all due respect, I don't buy it. There's no way, Uh, Al, these people are in tune with college football as one should be to decide such an important thing in the sport. There's no way they know that some of these games that are played, guys are injured, guys were hurt, the weather, the environment, etc. You think they know that Texas didn't have Quinn Ewers for two and a half games this season? Not a chance! Well, look, look, if they don't know that, they shouldn't be committee members. Because here is my point, my counter to what you just said. I understand that completely for the NCAA tournament. When you've got 64 slash 68 teams and they're playing 30 games. You've got eight teams to consider here and they've played a dozen games. There is absolutely no reason you should not be aware of everything going on with all of those teams. I agree, but I don't think that's the case. Well, then, then, then I the think the slow. most college football these gentlemen watch mm-hmm. is when they're forced on Saturday to go to that hotel conference room and sit in those incredibly uncomfortable chairs watch the games, and then make their decision on where the teams are going to go. I just think there should be more football-central-focused people, not in all the positions, but in enough of them. And I don't think the committee in that sense is diverse enough for football-obsessed I, 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 I don't know how you could be an AD of a major conference school and not be... You know, attuned to NCAA football. I don't think you're watching games on Saturdays. And I don't think you're catching up on them during the week. Don't you think somebody well, you in the they, committee they, should have watched watch them all on 10 Saturdays. games of the 18th? You're not watching them on Saturdays. What are you doing? I don't think they are. It's part of your job. Highly doubtful. All right. Well, the, the, the point is this. 
You see what Boo Corrigan says on Tuesday nights when they drag him in front of the media and force him to come up with solutions and answers to their questions. He's clueless half the time, but he's well, he's going off based on the committee the who has to say. Some of the circumstances are difficult. All right. Um, but they certainly got this right. These are we are supposed exactly, to believe these, these that the AD at the exactly Naval Academy, Al, is watching 80 football games? 90 football games this season. No, there's no chance, man. And I'm not saying they're a hundred percent wrong and Oh God, they're out to get certain schools, etc. I just wish we knew and we could be confident. Like, for example, I work in college football media and are friendly with some of the people involved. I know how much film they watch. It's an obsessed amount and they're incredibly good at talking about college football games. I guarantee you they're watching more football than the people that are voting on these final four teams. I just don't think that's a right road to lead into, especially when we're going to 12 is what I'm saying. Now, well, who, do you want to, who do you want to do it? I hear where you're coming from. Right now, I don't think they're wrong in what's happened. The four teams are correct. The ones behind, you can make arguments for, of course. No, I can't. What happens, though, if the chaos comes? What are they going to do? <laughs> we have no idea. Well, wait, wait a second. I just asked you that question. So your scenario So was, how, about you, how about you answer it first? I will, <laughs> to the best of my ability. So you were saying Georgia wins, Michigan wins, no. or Georgia, no. Georgia loses to Alabama in this scenario. Michigan wins. We cancel out three and just say that's the Pac-12 winner of that game. And Florida State. And Florida Florida State loses. Who goes? You have three teams. Georgia, Alabama, conference winner, one loss. Texas, conference winner, one loss. Georgia just lost their first game in two years. Who goes? I don't see how they pick Texas. I think the Alabama momentum has been incredibly strong after the Texas loss. And they have good arguments for the teams that they beat, as they always do. And so you're going to be Texas out of it, even though they beat Alabama. This would be, Alabama. I believe, the first time a conference champ of a Power Five with just one loss wouldn't have gotten in the top four, I believe. This would be unprecedented if that scenario happened for Texas to be left out because they won the Big 12. They only have the one loss. Plus, you what, if Alabama beats Georgia, what if Alabama beats Georgia 38 to 14? And Texas beats Oklahoma State 47 to 10. Georgia's going home. I don't hate it. Georgia's going home. It would be like a, that would be like a reveal at the end of a, a TV reality show. Like if somebody's getting voted off and you had no idea for Georgia to not be the team. Cause we've just all come to the assumption, whether or not it's correct, that the committee is just looking at the body of work of Georgia over the past three seasons instead of, how this particular season has gone. 
Let's put it this season's gone fine. I mean, it has gone more there's, than there's, fine. There's, I mean, you've there's got no, there's no issues with this particular. You've got season. a lot of numbered wins, and you blew out the teams that were numbered when you played them. Right, Ole I mean, Miss, Tennessee, been, blew them out. Are, are they as good as the, the team from the last couple couple of years? Probably, probably not, but they're the best team in the country. I have no doubt they're the best team in the country, and they absolutely deserve to be number. When I say that, I mean they deserve to be number one. Right. They've had a tougher schedule than Michigan. I think Michigan is very close. I, I frankly think that the top three teams in my mind are all very close, which is Georgia, Michigan, and Oregon. I think Oregon is, can play with these teams. I think the gap is from one, two, and three to four, whether it's Texas, whether it's Florida State, whether it's Ohio State, whether it's Alabama. I think they're all a notch below those three teams. So you and, think for the Pac-12 title game, winners in regardless of who? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Don't absolutely. That. And, and, and Oregon's going to win that game by, you know, twenty points. Oh man, the revenge that they're trying to get after that debacle of a loss. Whew. They're the better team, and and you know, as I said to close, uh, Mr. Russo's show yesterday. And you, know, you can have your Cracker Jack staff and you can research it with your folks at the, at the, at the network. Has there ever been a time you can think of where you can find in memory where an undefeated, untied team went into a rematch with the team, one of the teams they beat on a neutral field and was a nine and a half point under them? Healthy? No. It's unfathomable. It should be the other way around, or it would have been the other way around, I should say. They're the third-ranked team. Oregon's the fifth-ranked team. They played each other. They beat them. They're playing in a neutral field. For people that forgot last week, just survived Washington State. Game-winning field goal. They they just survived everybody. They have been just surviving everybody. They have been very much the win in advance. They they, they just survived USA. They just survived Utah. Uh, I I don't think Arizona State fifteen to seven at I, their place. I, I I think of all the teams. If you ask me to take the top eight teams and rank them, I would rank them eighth. Yeah, I, I could. See I that. think Ohio. I think Ohio State would beat them. I think Florida State would beat them. Uh, I think everybody else, you know, behind ahead of them and behind them would beat them. I think they're all better. I think their defense stinks. They have a good pass rush. Uh, I think their secondary stinks. Uh, I think their quarterback's incredibly overrated. They have a fabulous wide receiver. Uh, they have a great tight end who shouldn't catch the ball that much. They don't throw to him that much, but when he does, he makes incredible catches. I think the quarterback drastically overrated, massively overrated. Um, he makes big throws. Sometimes he just throws it up for grabs and his wide receivers make plays, but that is part of the, the sport. Uh, but I don't like him in a big spot. Uh, he doesn't handle pressure well. Uh, I don't think he moves well enough in the pocket. And I think they will get mauled by Oregon. I could be dead wrong. But when we do our pick shortly, that will be one of my gifts. And I've been saying it, you know, now for six weeks. That I thought if they play again, Oregon will crush them because they gave the first game away. You know, their coach going for the three fourth downs. But I, I think 
um, the best final four would be Georgia against Texas, Michigan against Oregon. That, I think, would be the most enjoyable final four to watch. Yeah. Because uh, those would be the three best teams. Uh, probably the f- those would be the three best teams and Texas. <laughs> which, which, which would be, you know, this is presuming a Florida State loss, um, which would now be the most deserving fourth team because uh, Washington will have lost and escaped narrowly other games. Uh, Alabama will now have two losses. Uh, Florida State will have lost to Louisville. And obviously Ohio State lost the biggest game of their year. So that would put Texas in the most deserving position at four. And, you know, do, do I want to see Georgia, Ohio State again? No. And I know it's not supposed to be if I saw them last year. But, you know, Texas would deserve to go over Ohio State. Um, and Texas might be as good as Ohio State, if not better. And I, it's time to give, if that happened, it's time for Texas to have their chance. Absolutely. You know, they've done nothing wrong. They lost the Red River rivalry, you know, in the last possession. I don't think their defense is very good. Uh, could have easily lost to Kansas State. But remember, you know, even though I've uh, criticized them, that was with their backup quarterback. Right. And they found a way to win. Granted, at home, but against a pretty tough team. So it's going to be incredibly interesting. Uh, what are you rooting for? <laughs> well, uh, selfishly, I do have some money still left for Texas to make the okay. Let, let, let's playoff. put let's put let's put your change purses. I'll aside. also say oh, I have Michigan let's and try, Ohio State to for make once the in, for once playoff. in your life. <laughs> for once in your life, we'll do the we'll do we'll do we'll make the picks in a second. We'll pick the four games momentarily, but. As a the co-host of the literally the best sports podcast you're ever going to listen to, uh, as the new report, give me the final four you would most like to see as a sportsman. Twofold, I am a fan of games having to mean something and wins having to mean something in scenarios like this. So one would be. Georgia, Michigan, Washington, Florida State, just all win. They're all 13-0, and and they all get to play each other. As ugly as that would be with a backup quarterback playing Georgia and Michigan playing a downward spiraling Washington team, although they would have some momentum after being Oregon. Seeing excitement happen and disgust that I have for some teams slash what would be most beneficial for work would be Alabama staying out, Texas finding a way in, Oregon finding a way in. So that would mean Washington loses, Oregon takes their place, Florida State loses, and the committee views Texas beating Oklahoma State, we assume, and beating them handedly, 
better yet, they have to do that as well. Because the committee is going to look at Oklahoma State and go, how did they make it here? Three losses. South Alabama. What happened to this team? Mike Gundy? Coach of the year, by the way. Big 12. Shout out. That's the tricky part. I Texas, I just think, got so fucked by Oklahoma shit in the bed, not beating Kansas, and then... BYU couldn't make a miracle happen in the rain. You couldn't even see anything on the cameras. Went for it. Didn't happen. Puts around in the second half. And Oklahoma's done what they, Oklahoma State did what they have done all year. Just find a way. By handing it to Ollie Gordon. It's a pretty good thing to do. So that's what I would root for as far as I would enjoy that the, the most. Georgia, Michigan. Oregon, Texas. But getting like to that point ma- is tough. I, I, I like the matchups. Great. Ton of storylines. One I last would, go for the love, Pac-12. Bo Nix has been plastered a, all over the city we've seen up here in the Northeast. I would love a Georgia-Texas. Texas in a, matchup. you know, prove us. Finally, you're good. Let's prove it. Finally, let's see the Texas and team. I think Michigan-Oregon would be a great game. Yeah. Great game. The Texas angle, though, think, is hard to figure out. I think there is a decent chance that that's what we're going to say. I think Louisville will give Florida State a snootful. And I'm not rooting for Louisville. I'm not rooting for Florida State to lose. I'm not rooting for Texas to make it. Um, I, I, I think that would be the most compelling four-pack because of the Florida State injury to the quarterback. Florida State hit their quarterback. I would have no problem with them playing Georgia. As the four, none. I think it'd be a good game. I think Florida State's really good. It was tough. It's tough to play against that level level of competition and the coaching that you have to deal with in terms of the preparation, uh, the time that they would have uh, for just taking a backup quarterback and turning him inside out uh, with the different looks they would give him defensively, especially, you know, with the genius of Kirby Smart. So that would really worry me with the Georgia-Florida State matchup. Um, with Jordan Travis now, I, I'd absolutely give him a chance. Great story it would have been, too. But uh, let's pick these games. Let us. Against the, uh, the, these are early well, it's November thirtieth, so in the in the spirit of December upon us and Christmas gift giving, better to give than receive. Remember, folks, picking against us is usually the way you want to go. So listen and listen closely because what you've got coming up are four selections to start your holiday season. It is a great gift from the new report, old report, to lead you not astray like we may be headed. But in the right direction. Friday kicks everything off. Can't wait. Friday night game and a normal time on the East Coast, thankfully. Not Pac-12 after dark. Five Oregon, three Washington. Pac-12 championship game in Las Vegas. 
The spread. Early dinner, in, early dinner in Vegas. Early dinner in Vegas. You're having a real good night afterward, or things might go in a, somewhat of a downward spiral for you. Ten is the spread favoring the Ducks. You have talked about it. I think ten is ten is nice. Ten, I can accept laying the points to go for Oregon. One of those, obviously, win by a touchdown and a field goal type things. It's still, as you said, though, for this to be the Pac-12 championship game, for Washington to be the undefeated team, for Washington to have beaten Oregon and be a 10-point dog still. Washington has unfortunately been headed in a downward trajectory since they won that Oregon game. And I think Oregon has continued to have its momentum. I don't think they'll be as stupid if those situations should come up in Kick this the game. Kick the field goals, coach. Kick the field goals. Part of me doesn't think Kick they'll the even goals. be in those types of situations, actually. But if they are, kick it! I'll take This is points. an intriguing game. You got a score? Well, I don't do scores. Okay. This worse. is an intriguing game for yours truly because, as you know, and we've discussed, I have been touting Oregon on our program and to anybody who will listen for the last two months. I think this is the best Oregon team ever. I think Bo Nix, if he plays well and they win, will probably win the Heisman. I think they're well coached, despite the fact that the coach gave away the first game with his decisions to go for fourth uh, and short twice versus kicking field goals and then not punting the last time, which gave Washington short field. The one thing to keep an eye on in this game for me and a tip for everybody is Oregon is a notorious, as I'm sure you all know, fast starter. They get out of the box quick and have been getting out to two and three touchdown leads before the other team can breathe. Let's see what kind of start they get off to tomorrow night. Uh, will they keep that rolling and put Washington behind the eight ball early where they can pressure the quarterback, pin their teeth back, and put a lot of pressure on Penix Jr., which he does not handle well. Uh, so I find that to be very, very intriguing. And both of these teams do have comeback capabilities. Uh, they both can put up a lot of points. You'll tell me what the, what the total is in the under over in a second. I got to believe it's absolutely in the mid-60s. I am going to take Oregon. I am going to lay the 10. I don't think there'll be a garbage cover here. Uh, coming in the back door by Washington, always a possibility. But I'm going to go with 41-27. Ducks. 65 and a half for the over-under. So I'm going over. And for this being the end of Pac-12, as we know it, I'm going to bet the over just for old time's sake. Absolutely. We're going down with the ship. We'll be like that old man in the Titanic wearing his Sunday best, sitting in that chair, watching the water rise up, if that's the case. Exactly. Exactly. 15 and a half, the spread for Texas over Oklahoma State in the Dr. Pepper Big 12 Championship at AT&T Stadium. 
Terrible matchup for Oklahoma State on both sides of the football. I've been hearing people talk about it all week on Big 12 Radio. Sirius XM Channel 375, folks, if you're interested. Shameless plug. Any motivation that Texas can grasp at, they have this season. They have embraced being hated, and they have taken advantage at every turn, sans the Oklahoma game, obviously, and then use that as fuel to the fire for the rest of the season. Sark told them every week is the Big 12 championship. Here it is. And the motivation for this one, Mike Gundy named Big 12 Coach of the Year, Steve Sarkeesian, not. Cowboys went 9-3, and three, Longhorns went 11-1, their best season in a very long time. People are a little perturbed in Texas. 15-and-a-half, yet again, win by a couple touchdowns and then have something exciting happen to get over. It's tough, though. This number has shot up. I think it came out at, I want to say it was 7 or 8, then it went up to 11, then it was 14. Now we're at 15-and-a-half. It just keeps going up in favor of the Longhorns. I will actually take Oklahoma State for a little backdoor cover here to get it under the 14. After what I saw Texas do to Texas Tech, playing with their foot on the throat, throttle full bore, I don't see any let up coming. I think they are going to be out to prove to the committee that they belong. And they are playing before Florida State. So I think they want to put pressure on Florida State. And I think they want to put pressure on the committee. And I think when this one, this has got, you know, 48 to 14 written all over it. I'm taking Texas and I'm laying the lumber. I hear you. The only thing that would make me think about it is Quinn Ewers hasn't really had too much of like an FU game like that in a, and as big of stage as this one. And I don't know how much Jonathan Brooks not being there at running back, even though it's been a couple of games will end up mattering. But what sucks for Oklahoma state is Ollie Gordon is the main target for the uh, the defense to go after. So now your whole game is basically going to rest in the arm of Alan Bowman, who's played college football for seemingly 13 years. <laughs> not And not enough for you to know him well to be like, oh, yeah, there's our guy. Could get ugly fast. Could get late early out there, as a certain Yankees catcher used to say. Four o'clock Eastern time, Georgia, Alabama, one verse eight, spreads five and a half, favoring the dogs, 54 and a half over under. It's one of those, I'll believe it until I see it type things. I'm going to take Georgia to win. Yeah, I, I just think Georgia is the better team. Everybody talks about Jalen Miller, how well he's playing. And he's playing terrific. Um, got benched earlier in the season. He'll be a Heisman candidate uh, in the coming years. They had the miracle win against Auburn by the grace of God or Eli Gold. You tell me that the difference is. And this is a team whose defense was shredded. And I mean absolutely shredded 
by an awful Auburn team that lost to New Mexico State the prior week. And they just went up and down the field against them. They ran up and down the field. Auburn ran the ball. Quarterback, quarterback. And there are two running backs at will up and down the field. Had the game won, fumbled a punt. Still had the game won. Only rushed three and gave the game away. Alabama will score. They won't score enough. 34-27. Georgia. I like that. Michigan, Iowa. 22 points is the spread. The over-under, 35-and-a-half. I believe the first half point spread for a team for Iowa it's 0.5 so if they just score anything you'd win that bet in the first half but goodness that's not an easy one to take just out of principle here I'm going to take the points 22 it being I mean you're just hoping for one silly defensive mistake you're looking for J.J. McCarthy to have a similar start to what happened against TCU last year. A couple pick sixes, shakes everything up. Goodness gracious, what's happening? They show his parents in the crowd again 17,000 times. I don't think you'll see that happen with the quarterback whisper back. But what I could see is I could see Michigan being a little tight, being a little... Uh, I don't want to say yeah, a little letdown, quite frankly, a little letdown off of you know what they've gone through without the coach coming out a little flat. Iowa all fired up. Um, Michigan getting their feet under them, you know, in, in the second half, but really not running it up because they like to run the football. But they had a couple of big plays, you know, through the air. Uh, I'm going to take, is it 22 or 22 and a half? 22, no hook. Okay. I'm going to take the 22, and I'm just going to cover it 31-10, Michigan. I like that, too. 22, just enough for Iowa here. Yeah. Just enough. I'm going to. I'm going to sprinkle and dabble on the, on the first half, Iowa. <laughs> just need, you just need anything. Anything happens. Safety. Score kick well, hurts the wrong button. Do, do, do they lead the country, at least in, in major college football and safeties? They got to be up there. Or at least safeties in their games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you would think. I mean, it's probably because they happen to be on TV and uh, sickos are still watching some of those games, but they have to be close. Louisville, Florida State, Charlotte, North Carolina, basically a pick em. Seminoles giving one and a half points to the cards. Another one where I, I will just go on the basis that as good as Jordan Travis 
was two very good is. coaches. Two very good coaches. Great coaches. Florida State is just hitting all the right buttons this year, man. It's finally coming together. Culture is where they want it. It takes a couple years to get things going. And as good as Jordan Travis has been, it's not like they're giving up a lot of football points. Once they start no, going, do, do, I, they do, gave up 20 do, to do. Do you, do, you think, do you think they can win? Do you think they can win? I think everything else that Florida State has will be enough to beat Louisville. The run game, the defense, and then, I'm assuming, short passes. They'll probably throw a couple like, whoa, didn't expect that, just to see. Point and a half. Here is what I think is going to happen. Here, here, here is, and I agree with you, but here is the problem with what's going to happen. What's going to happen is exactly the fear that I created for the committee and for Florida State. They're not going to do what they need to do. They're, they're not going to give the committee the reason to put them in. They're going to do just the opposite. They're going to give the committee a reason to keep them out. Because Texas is going to pound, as we discussed earlier, Oklahoma State to make a statement to the committee. And I am picking, like you, Florida State in this game, but I'm picking him to win it on a field goal at the gun and cover, but put the committee in a very difficult position. Wow. A very difficult position of a barely there by the skin of their teeth undefeated against uh what do we call Louisville a mediocre conference championship opponent surprise versus one lost Texas now especially if Alabama gives Texas a snootful or, or gives Georgia football a snootful because that makes Texas look that much better because I'm keeping that in mind as a committee member if 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 Alabama gets smoked by Georgia, you know, 41 to 17, then I'm going to take a few notches. That takes a little shine off of that Texas win. And that, that has to factor in, you know, if Texas, you know, blows at Oklahoma state, Florida state barely wins and Bama loses on a last-minute, last-second field goal. That gives Texas a little more shine. And I get a look and I say, Jesus, they lost the, they lost the Red River rivalry. They, they beat this Alabama team, which just lost by it at the gun to the potentially three-time defend, two-time defending champ. Uh. Florida State's playing with a backup quarterback. And Christ, they could hope they needed all 60 minutes to beat Louisville. Jesus Christ, Texas. What do I do? What do I vote for? <laughs> we haven't uh, watched any of these games. Uh, we don't know. It's just what's on the paper in front of us. Abstain. Oh. Let, let's, be, let, let's be the Republican. Let's be the Republican Congress. Abstain. We can't pick. We can't pick. Okay, let's go. We got to go back in the caucus. Uh, let's have another vote. Um, I, I think 
I think Florida State's going to win. And you know, I, I would like to see them for the season they've had uh, win convincingly, but I don't think they're going to. Uh, I, I think Louisville is good enough and well enough coached that they're going to cause some problems for them, and it's going to be much closer than they want it to be. And the committee could have a tough call. Now, the committee just may just say, look, they, they won, they're in. All we needed them to do was was win, and that was enough. I think they're going to win, but I think the way things are going to pan out, they will put the committee in a tough position with that last spot of Florida State or Texas. Undefeated Florida State, barely, or dominant Texas with one loss. Um, and obviously, Florida State going into playing the one seed with a backup quarterback. Does America want to see that? Also fascinating is that. I, it's going to be a great last weekend. Well, the third uh, some place of the games game. May not, some of these games may not be that competitive, but it makes for, you know, as the saying goes, interesting bedfellows to see where the last shoe drops. Because. Some storylines are decided on Friday night already, headed into Saturday, absolutely. based on that. At, third we are going to know one team going into Saturday. Then you know where Texas potentially stands heading into the Georgia-Alabama game. By the time we get ACC game, we know what's going on with the SEC. We know, we know what's going to be. We're, we're going to know what's going to be on the line, and we're going to know exactly what Florida State has to do. It's going to be a fun weekend of college football. Strap in because nothing is set in stone. People have said this would be a great year for the 12 team college football playoff. Sure. Just find the way it is as far as I'm concerned. I'm not having any problems heading into this weekend with teams controlling their own destinies, win the games in front of you. Let's have some fun. Al, it's always a pleasure. We'll do it again next week. Can't wait for tomorrow night to kick it off. No pun intended. For my partner, the great John Tiny Lund, I am El Renato, a.k.a. Alpha White Plants. Folks, have a great college football weekend. We'll be back 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening.